Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I don't know if you've been experiencing this at all, but it's kind of weird with all the shade that everybody's been tossing at AstraZeneca. I almost feel bad for a drug company here. Um, <laughs> which is not something I ever really thought I'd be saying. I, I kind of feel like being like, uh, hey, Astra, you, you doing all right there, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> it's AstraZeneca's no good, very bad week. It is. We actually had a great headline on Politico Nightly that said sad Astra. Um, and I can't take credit for that. But that's uh, where we are. I AstraZeneca can't even. <laughs> oh, God. That'll be the next one. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispastrazeneca. <laughs> Today, no more puns, for real. But uh, it was a bad week for AstraZeneca. So today, Sarah Overmall is here to tell us what exactly happened. AstraZeneca vaccine is once again being called into question. Just yesterday, results from a U.S. trial showed it was safe and effective. But today, U.S. health officials are accusing the company of cherry-picking data to make it look more effective than it actually is. Already, there were some doubts raised about its... Let's go through the timeline of everything that's happened here. AstraZeneca, the company that partnered with Oxford in the U.K. on its coronavirus vaccine, the one that... Europe recently freaked out over over unproven fears of causing blood clots, something we've covered on this show. Um, AstraZeneca, on Monday night, it releases this data of how its vaccine is, is working in the U.S., and it looks good initially, right? Exactly. So it looks pretty good. It says that it's 79% effective against broad coronavirus um, and 100% effective against severe infection, hospitalization, the stuff that we argue, you know, really is what matters most in terms of making this into something that's not so damaging. Mm -hmm. And that puts it on par with other vaccines that are out there, most notably the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that was recently authorized. But then that data were called into question really late on Monday night by this very rare statement put out by the National Institutes of Health, specifically over something called a Data Safety Monitoring Board. A Data Safety Monitoring Board. What's that? That's a board that's sort of like referees for these vaccine trials. All the data come into them first. Uh They analyze, they assess. Uh, This ensures that there's independent people looking at the data, but also that it stays blinded so that people can't be persuaded one way or another on if something works or doesn't. So now they've essentially accused AstraZeneca of jumping the gun, releasing data from February that they know is not the most recent information. And they're kind of befuddled as to why the company did that. So they're basically saying that AstraZeneca might have cherry-picked their data to look good? Well, they don't want to go so far as to saying why AstraZeneca did that, but they essentially said in their letter, we know that you have more recent data because we've shared that data with you. And that more recent data say that it's actually somewhere between 69 and 74% effective, Hmm. which is the most astonishing part of this because 
that means it's still a safe and effective vaccine. And they essentially cut their legs off for like 5% and made themselves look bad when we're still talking about a vaccine that works. So weird. Is this a normal thing for a drug company to do? Have you ever seen anything like this? No, I haven't. But this is somewhat in line with this trend we've been seeing over this past year where companies are sort of releasing data by press release. This has been a complaint from public health experts and scientists who say companies are eking out information. They're not giving us all of the data so we can look at, you know, all the potential problems or or not issues, Mm -hmm. just just details that could be in there. Instead, they are announcing things like this. So then we get great headlines for AstraZeneca Monday morning, only to get confusion late Monday night because the whole story wasn't there. It's kind of bonkers to see this whole tizzy going down really in in public. Like I saw, you know, some of these stories that say AstraZeneca is on track to get emergency approval. And then I see Dr. Fauci on TV basically chiding AstraZeneca in public. It really is unfortunate that this happened. You know, this is really what you call an unforced error, because the fact is, this is very likely a very good vaccine. And this kind of thing does you nothing but really cast some doubt Uh, about the vaccines and maybe contribute to the hesitancy. I know you're saying that uh, federal officials aren't saying what's behind this, but what do you make of all of it? Well, going back to how we started by just saying it's been a rough time for AstraZeneca, mm-hmm. I think that they did want to, and I don't have I don't have this, of course, clear from them or anyone, but they have had a hard time lately, yeah. and they had everything going on in Europe, which despite those countries reversing on their suspensions of the vaccine, they've already dented confidence. We had a recent poll from YouGov in Europe saying that people in Germany, France, and Italy, 50% of them don't trust the AstraZeneca vaccine. Wow, that's a lot of people. A lot of people. And that's very damaging in many ways. I mean, when European countries decide to suspend use of the vaccine, it rippled throughout the rest of the world. There are African countries and Asian countries that haven't resumed use yet. And so there is this resonating damage, I think, to their image. And when they released those data on Monday, this was kind of a turning of the tide. They got to say, look, this is solid. We're on track for FDA approval. We have a lot that we can do. We can contribute millions of doses to the U.S. population by April. This could have been really good news for them. But then the Data Safety Monitoring Board openly questioned what they were doing. What will happen as a result of all of this. I mean, you mentioned that the data that U.S. officials have still looks pretty good for AstraZeneca, but like, could this whole controversy prevent AstraZeneca from getting approval in the U.S., or could it set them back on when they might get approval? It could very well set them back, but I do not think that this will stop them from getting authorized. Um, and that might sound crazy. I've, a few other people have asked me that question, and I I don't think that this means FDA will turn them away. And that's for a few reasons. Even the latest results that the Data Safety Monitoring Board points to, saying that actually it's somewhere between 69 and 74% effective against broad infection, but more effective against severe infection. That's still really good. And that still puts it well and above the bar that the FDA set out last summer, saying that a vaccine had to be 50% effective. And so that's one thing. And that's the main thing that FDA is going to be looking at. But then there's also the broader political and foreign policy implications of not 
authorizing this vaccine when already 50 other countries have millions of people worldwide have gotten dosed. And if we want AstraZeneca doses to continue going to the rest of the world, which every official you speak to believes that they're going to play a very important role in doing that, it would look damning for the FDA, considered the gold standard among global regulators, to not also issue an authorization for this vaccine. I guess regardless of authorization or not, some of the damage is done here, right? I mean, like even just talking to like family or friends about vaccinations, you know, when someone says like, I got my vaccine, you'll occasionally hear someone joke, I hope it wasn't the AstraZeneca, right? Like what sort of damage does this and everything that's happened before it with the company, what does it do to public trust of the vaccine and the rollout that is necessary, you know, for countries across the world getting vaccinated? That's what health officials and and vaccine experts are really, really worried about. I talked to someone last week, even before the uh, events of Monday, who said, it seems like this company is doing everything possible to make a safe and effective vaccine not look that way. (laughs) Um, and And that's kind of where we are right now. And it makes it especially bad in the U.S. because we don't have any doses out, whereas mm-hmm. in Europe and in Africa and in Asia, there have been countries using this. And we do know that it's safe and it's not causing blood clots more than they happen in normal life without vaccines. We know all these things. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen, I think, is like you said, there's just this incredible brand awareness around vaccines that we've never had before, where you're talking to family members and they're bragging that they got Moderna yeah, or yeah. Pfizer. <laughs> like, I think that brand awareness will continue. And I think that What's going to happen is as more people get the AstraZeneca vaccine, which, of course, it is not authorized yet. They say that they're on track for maybe an April authorization. Mm -hmm. As more people get it, it's going to be another word of mouth thing like that where you see a friend who got it. They say they're okay. Maybe you consider getting it, too. Mm. I guess given the fact that we already do have three vaccines in the U.S., does it really matter here what confidence in AstraZeneca is at the end of the day? I've talked to health officials who admit this. As a country, we may not really need many of these doses from them, to be perfectly honest. We've bought enough from Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson that if those three deliver on the timelines they've promised, we should be able to vaccinate the vast majority of Americans without the AstraZeneca shot. So then it becomes a matter of the AstraZeneca shot being either our backup plan something to use if there are second waves or variant changes, or something that we donate to the rest of the world. Keep in mind, the Trump administration made a 300 million dose deal with AstraZeneca last May. That was the biggest by far of any. And we still have that promise from them. Sarah Overmall, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. Also, Today, President Biden is tapping Vice President Kamala Harris to be the White House's point person on immigration issues at the nation's southern border. Biden announced the move on Wednesday, putting Harris front and center on one of the most politically risky issues for the administration, tasking her with stemming the rising tide of migrants, many of them unaccompanied children, arriving in the U.S. 
According to a senior administration official, Harris's main focuses will include working to slow the flow of, quote, irregular migrants by addressing the root causes that prompt them to leave their home countries and strengthening relationships with Mexico and the Northern Triangle countries where the bulk of the migrants arriving at the U.S. border come from. And Virginia is abolishing the death penalty. Governor Ralph Northam signed the legislation on Wednesday, making it the 23rd state and the first in the South to ban the punishment. During the signing ceremony, Northam said, quote, We can't give out the ultimate punishment without being 100% sure that we're right, and that, quote, There is no place today for the death penalty in this commonwealth, in the South, or in this nation. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And to stay up on our latest reporting on the pandemic and vaccinations, sign up for the Politico Pulse newsletter at politico.com slash newsletters. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.